<laughs> Hello, boils and ghouls. It's your old pal, John Kassir, the voice of the Crypt Keeper. And you're listening to the Horrorcon Lounge Podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the Horrorcon Lounge. I'm Kristen. I'm Jeremy. And we are live again on a little uh, mini road trip edition. Um, happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, happy. That's what I was going to get to. Yeah, happy Valentine's Day. We procrastinated the hell out of this episode. Yeah. And damn near released it on Valentine's Day. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> but we all, we also extended our Valentine's Day getaway. So a lot longer than expected. So we're driving home and I'm like, oh shit, we need to record the podcast. Um, so today's movies are The Love Witch and Valentine. Would you like to talk about The Love Witch? Oh, you're going to put me on the spot. Yeah. Okay. So I'll do um, The Love... Oh, did I not fucking do the statistics? Damn, I'm, I'm really slacking today. So The Love Witch came out in 2016. The genre is technically a horror comedy, but we'll get into it. And give me a moment while I actually look up the numbers because I forgot. The runtime is two hours. I did have that down. It has a 6.2 out of 10 on IMDb. And I don't know what the budget was, but the box office was $246,218. But what I didn't give you is the Rotten Tomatoes percentage. What do you think this got on Rotten Tomatoes? 6.2, I'll say like 79%. 95%. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, this is a very stylized movie. It came out in 2016, but it feels like it came out in, like, the 60s or 70s. It's very, like, psychedelic. Yeah. At times, it tried to give you the feeling of, um, what, like, being on drugs, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. It was... Point. And the same person... What the hell was her name? Um, Anna Biller, I think is how you say it. She did like everything for this freaking movie. She directed it, produced it, wrote it. She did the costuming. Um, she even composed all the music for it. Like this is her literal baby. Like this is her thing. She's, she worked on it for like seven years. Wow. Yeah, it was it crazy. So go ahead and give us a little chatty chat about the movie. Well, you have, you're going to have to look up the name for me. The main character is a witch. but she's It's funny. Sorry. It's funny that you said you have to look up the name because my first like line is, we see our main character. Like, I didn't even, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even write down her name. Right. Um, but her name is Elaine. There you go. Okay. So Elaine is going through a divorce and you see flashbacks to her husband dying. But there's not a lot of details on, you know, what actually happened. We don't know if he cheated on her, if they just fell out of love. It seems to be implied throughout the movie that she's always been in love with him and is still in love with him, but um, I don't know that that was ever actually confirmed. 
Anyway, she moves into like this big mansion style house. Um, she's talking to her realtor. They have an interesting relationship. They seem to be friends. Because next thing you know, they're out on like a lunch um, like meeting. Yeah, so this is super weird. And also when she moves into the mansion, um, Jeremy note like he said that she's all in red. She has a red car, red dress, red heels, red suitcase, red cigarette box, literally all in red. Um, and then they move into that house. And then when they go to that lunch, it's like this weird Victorian tea room. Yeah. Um, It's only, only girls are allowed, right? Only women. And it's, everything is like white and light pink with big hats and it's crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, go ahead. So they're talking about the realtor's husband, how happily in love they are. Well, she shows off her ring. But it doesn't sound like they're happily in love. It sounds like she kind of fell for him, maybe for his money, or maybe at one time she thought she was in love with him, but there's definitely, you can read the body language that says they're not in a happy relationship. This, I think, is supposed to be like a very feminist-type movie, because um, there's a couple lines like up until this point in the movie there was a line uh, men are like children and then according to the experts men are very fragile they can get crushed down if you assert yourself in any way and then also um, the realtor what the fuck was her name I think her name was like Trish or something I don't know we'll figure it out later okay I will figure out her later but the realtor and Elaine. Elaine, you know, they're talking about men, they're, and she's, they're talking about having sex, and Elaine is pretty much like, you have to have sex with your husband whenever he wants to, and the realtor is like, yeah, if I did that, I'd be dead, or whatever, like, she's right. like, there, I can't do that, yeah. you know? Elaine seems like the submissive type, where, like, if her man asks her to do something, she's just gonna do it, no questions asked, and the realtor's like, no, like, we have rights. You know, we don't need to be right. in that situation anymore. So then we get past that, and Elaine kind of says, you know, I need to find love or something to that extent. And we pop up to a scene where we see her in, I don't want to say the park, but... Like walking through town, like kind a, of, yeah. and, and, and a park. She's dressed in all black, black accessories, black shoes. We love a matching queen. She always looks so stylish. The... The woman who plays Elaine, she was a Canadian actress, but she's very pretty. It's so funny because literally like two, I'm kind of like following along with my notes that I had written. Um, and at this point in my notes, I said, what I don't understand is why she needs witchcraft to make men fall in love because she's so gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> she's really, really she's pretty. Very pretty. So the first guy she seduces is a professor. And his name is Wayne. Okay. Not well, that it matters. Well, he's interesting because when you first see him, you think, wow, this like scraggly guy, what does she see in him? But then there's other points where they're together and he actually looks like a decent looking guy. So it's really kind of strange. Almost <laughs> seemed like witchcraft happening. But she cooks dinner for him. They go back to his house at her suggestion. She cooks dinner for him and then she makes him a drink where she forces him to drink it. And here she's got him so high on herbs, it's not even funny. They end up in bed together. They have sex. She, she does this weird strip tease. Yeah, she looks amazing. Every time she does these various strip teases. 
but it goes into I think Austin Powers is probably a good reference. I put at this point I put dot 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 still waiting for the horror. Yeah. Because right now it's just very like romantic drama esque. Right. So they go into like this Austin Powers scene where she just dances and there's like this different psychedelic colors and whatever going on. They have sex. She wakes up the next morning. She's waiting for him to wake up. He finally does wake up. So at this point, like I said, like afterwards, like Wayne become after they have sex, Wayne becomes like super emotional and clingy, which Elaine finds off putting. And then he like you said, he wakes up and then Wayne appears to be sick and she's in the other room doing um, like a tarot reading for herself. And it looks like it's a three card reading. And he, um, or, so I think it's like a past, present, and future one, but she pulled the Hierophant, the Tower, and the Three of Swords, or as Jeremy likes to call it, Knives Through the Heart card. <laughs> yes. Um, I told my, because I didn't know what the cards were, I took a, I paused the movie and I took a screenshot of it and I sent it to my friend that reads tarot and, or my friend, my freaking cousin, I should say. <laughs> And I said, what are these cards? And so she told me the cards. And then I told her that Jeremy called it the Knives Through the Heart card. And she was freaking dying. She's like, oh, my God. She's like, but I love that for him. She's like, that's so great. Um, But, yeah, you can say what happened after the card reading. Well, she serves him breakfast. He starts to eat. He's not feeling well. And then next thing you know, he dies. But it's weird because she actually buries him in the backyard. She leaves behind this witch-created... artifact type thing. I want to see how you describe this. <laughs> it's a bottle with a bunch of shit inside of it. Is that all you're going to say? Yeah. Okay, so she makes a concoction of urine. Oh, that's right. A used tampon. Yep. Uh, and some herbs. Yes. And then she buries it, like, I don't want to say with him, I think she left it, she left she it, left it, on, it top. Like on top. Yeah. But like, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck? And we also saw her, like, walking around outside naked, picking flowers for his grave. There's a lot of nudity in this movie. So. Yeah. And the, and the girl who's nude is definitely worth checking out, if nothing else. So. This is almost like a softcore porn, I feel like. I borderline. Agree completely. Because you also do, at some point, like, full frontal male nudity, too. Yep. Yeah, the, like, whole culty thing. Yeah, there's also more twins in this movie, which I know we just covered twins last week, so that was crazy. Moon and... Uh, moon I don't and fucking star remember. Or something like that. Moon that sounds, that sounds fucking right. Um, <clears throat> so, after this, we get to a strip club where all the witches meet, apparently, and they're having a discussion about witchcraft, and they're welcoming Elaine back because she had left with her husband to the... To the Bay Area, I guess. I think they were the San Francisco. Yeah. And we get past this. We go to that culty thing. There's, like, this guy who... Well, in the meantime, like, while she... It's kind of cutting back and forth, but... So she's going back, but in the meantime, one of Wayne's co-workers reports him missing, and the cops go to the cabin to investigate. Um, and then... We also see a scene where Trish, the decorator, the uh, real estate agent decorator, I think she's an interior designer or something. I don't yeah, fucking that's what know. She said. Yeah. Um, she goes away on business, and 
Elaine's also trying to seduce her husband as well. Yeah. So well, it's just a whole shit show. We get to that point. Um, well, that's before the cult <clears throat> stuff. Oh, okay. Um, I thought the cult stuff was scattered all throughout. Well, I mean, it is, but this happened before any culty stuff. Um, and then I said, this is, my, I think, one of my favorite line that I've ever written in a note. Jeremy is probably enjoying all this ass shaking. I was getting turned on by this movie. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> okay. I, listen, I'm not going to judge you because, like, I almost said the same thing last week when we were talking about American Mary where she was, like, fucking cutting people up. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, like, per- <laughs> performing surgery. Like, really fucked up shit. So at least you're, like, getting turned on by normal shit and not, like, blood and gore. Well, so. there's a lot of ass shaking, like, in panties. I know. I'm just, like, butts Jer- <laughs> Jeremy is like, probably man. enjoying all this ass yeah, shaking. It was definitely enjoyable. Um, but we also find out when the detectives go to the house, they find that Wayne died of natural causes. Supposedly. Yeah. It was, like, a heart attack Heart or failure. Yeah, there you go. Heart failure. So that was interesting because there's no you know, evidence that Elaine killed him in any way, shape, or form. Except for the urine bottle she left on top of the hand-dug grave. Right. So now we get to the point where we see the um, realtor's husband. She tries to seduce him, as you had talked about. And we kind of see that the realtor and her husband don't have the good relationship, which we anticipated from the earlier conversation. They're very distant. They can't seem to communicate with each other. Um, While Elaine tries to seduce her husband, he actually stops her. She gets almost to the point of, you know, them having sex. And he stops. He goes away. It cuts, whatever. And then he's just a, a drinking alcoholic mess. He's not talking to his wife. He's not really doing much of anything except drinking and drinking and drinking. And then we see him dead in the bathtub. Oh, yeah. You skipped a lot, a lot of stuff. Okay, um, then go ahead. So, there, you know, he was saying there's there's some weird witchcraft circle culty thing going on with lots of nudity. Um, and then Trish returns home and her husband is acting distant, kind of like Jeremy was saying, crying over Elaine. Um, and then we see the police officer... Griff, he is tracking down Elaine, and she denies knowing Wayne. She's like, nope, never heard of him. Whatever. Even though her fucking urine bottle is on top of his grave. Um, But naturally, she seduces the police officer, and they both fall in love, and they have a mock wedding at this really culty renaissance fair. So real quick, because I was going to explain this differently, so you brought it up kind of in the order of events. All of this is kind of happening at the exact same time. They're flashing between scenes. Is that fair to say? Probably. There's like three or four different things happening all at once, but like you'll see one scene, and then you'll cut away to another scene, which is happening at the same time, but then you'll cut away somewhere else, which is happening. Like They're all overlapping each other. Yeah. So, okay, wait, so you go can ahead. go ahead. No. Well, no, it's fine, because I was just going to go like scene by scene, but you're doing it in order so that's yeah, that's i just take notes as i'm watching the movie yeah, so no. everything in order as it happens no that's good um so steve is the um like police officer's partner so steve <laughs> steve is telling griff that they need to arrest elaine essentially <laughs> and you know exactly what's coming jeremy uh, and griff punches steve and Jeremy, this is the first time this ever happened. I always tell you guys, 
I am always pausing and rewinding movies constantly. Jeremy made me fucking rewind this scene so he could watch it again because this punch is just ridiculous. Yeah. Do you want to say anything about the punch? Oh my god. Well, Steve goes the punch, and it's just, it almost reminded me of those really bad, like, um, like a subbed movie where they're trying to turn it to American because it's, you know, overseas and you can't understand it or something. And you just, like, this punch is terrible it it was just like wild it's so so bad yeah um this is where trish's husband actually ends up killing himself Uh, but like like jeremy said it it kind of is essentially all happening within the same time period timeline um and then so trish thinks that there was an affair and she's telling all of this to elaine they're at their, their little tea party lunch place again and so she's telling Elaine, like, I think he was having an affair, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, Elaine was showing off her ring that the police officer gave her and left it behind at lunch. What they didn't clarify, as far as the police officer goes, he went from, I want to be single, I want to focus on my career, I don't want somebody to bring me down, to kind of all of a sudden being gaga for Elaine. But they don't say if he's in a spell from her or if he's just naturally in love with her. I feel like he's naturally in love with her. I agree. Because the spell we've seen from um, Wayne and Trisha's husband, Richard, I think his name was, uh-huh. like they get overly attached, overly emotional and overly clingy. So I think the fact that the police officer wasn't overly into that, right. I think it's because he was actually natural. trying to leave her, as we'll get to in a little bit. So, what I also didn't really point out in the notes is, when they first meet the po- when Elaine first meets the police officer, she's like, you look familiar, I think I know you from somewhere, or maybe he said that to her or something, and you're just like, hmm, where, where do they know each other from? But it's the same cop that pulled her over in the beginning of the movie. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Not doesn't fucking matter. Right. So a little like, oh, right. that's funny, you know, because she got pulled over for a broken taillight. Again, irrelevant to the fucking rest of the movie, but it's just a fun little thing. But you went through the horseback riding. That was a really, that was a clever scene. I love the, the camera work in that because they just, they took the time to establish the two main characters, the horses, but also some of the scenery, wherever they filmed it, they did a great job with some of the filming. Then we're at, like, this culty festival, as you were saying, which is really weird. I think it's technically a renaissance fair, but, like, it it feels, like, very culty. Like, it it doesn't feel like a renaissance fair. It shouldn't be there, because neither of them are expecting it. They just all of a sudden leave their horses and, like, oh, hey, by the way, look, there's a renaissance fair in the middle of our cornfields that we just happen to be horseback riding in. Maybe not cornfields, whatever they were. So, anyway, that all happens, and then, yeah, she, she gets We're, a ring, they go out to... The lunch, the yep, lunch and she and leaves it there on accident with Trish, and so Trish goes to Elaine's place to drop it off. Which was hilarious, because I remember, as we were watching it, I'm like, she literally left her ring there that she was so in love with and cherished so much, and the girl doesn't say anything, like, she never stopped looking at it. And she waits, I don't know, 10 seconds and then calls her like, Oh my god, Elaine, you left your beautiful ring here. I'll stop by on my way home and drop it off. Yeah. The movie was a little out there at times, but at least for the most part, it seemed to blend together pretty well. That was a scene that stood out to me as they could have worked on that one a little bit better. Anyway, 
Also, I'd like to note, at one point, Jerry, Jerry, what the fuck? Jeremy, fuck, oh, there is a Jerry in the movie. Okay, that's why it was in my brain. Jeremy said, <laughs> said, um, he goes, is her hair really that long or is it a wig? And I'm like, I think that's her real hair. Oh my God, yes. I think that's her real hair, but it turns out it actually was a wig. Yes, it was. And so in the scene when Trish is dropping off the ring, she's like kind of snooping through Elaine's house and she's pretending to be Elaine. Like she puts on Elaine's makeup. Just Elaine has this like super signature makeup look with these like false eyelashes, winged eyeliner, um, bright blue eyeshadow, that long black hair. Um, so we see, yeah, we see Trish putting on Elaine's makeup, her underwear. She's like pretending to be Elaine. And then she sees a shrine to all the men that have died due to Elaine. Um, so we see a picture of Wayne. We see a picture of Jerry, Elaine's husband, ex-husband. Um, we see um, a picture of Richard. And then Griff the police officer tells Elaine that DNA connected her to both Wayne and Richard's death. Like she, because Trish turns in. And this happens at the strip club. Yeah. I believe. yeah. Uh, Trish turns in this artifact thing that had like Rich's love potion spell on it, whatever. I don't know how to describe it, but she turns that into the cops. And so between the DNA from Wayne and that artifact being turned in for Richard, He's saying that it connects her to both of the deaths and she needs to be punished. And then all the townspeople start chanting, burn the witch. Yeah. Um, it felt very like beauty and the beast, like kill the beast scene, the mob scene, you know? Yeah. Um, and they're almost like gonna, it looks like they're almost gonna freaking like rape her or something. Cause they're like undressing her and shit on the floor. Like it's crazy, but Griff gets her out and takes her home. You know, instead of taking her to the fucking police station for murder, he yep. just takes her home. Yep. Um, she tries to give him a drink, but he um, he just throws it on the floor. And he's, like, glaring at her and looking angrier and angrier. And it was just super weird. It was a weird scene. And then um, we kind of see all of the other guys um, that she had previous relations with, like, telling her that they love her. Um and then out of nowhere, she stabs him with a dagger. And then we see her fantasizing about her future with him. That's yeah. all I had. So I don't know if I missed anything or if you want to touch on anything well, else. That particular death kind of matches up with a painting she was fat, fascinated with throughout the movie. Well, she, that she was working. Yeah, okay, yeah. so she, yeah, she painted it. Yeah. And it was this guy with a dagger through his heart from like an enchantress type yeah. of thing. So that was how the movie ended. Yeah, I think we covered it. Yeah, it's so funny because when we posted this movie, well, you posted it in our Facebook group, The Horrorcon Lounge. Go join us on Facebook if you're not already. Um, Joe Iyer commented on it, and he's like, oh, God, Kristen's going to be sleeping through this one. And I'm like, because by the time Jeremy posted it, we were like 95% done with the movie. Right. And I like, I saw Joe's comment. I'm like, you're not wrong. I mean, I wasn't sleeping, but like, I fucking wished I was. Like... It is a very, very slow movie, and you know how I feel about older movies. And it, now, this movie isn't, like I clarified, this came out in 2016, but it is 
for the most part, very, very stylized to make it feel like it took, and they filmed it on 35 millimeter film. Like okay. it is, it is very, like I said in the beginning, passion project. They make you feel like you're in the sixties or seventies. Right. Everything, you know, the hair, the makeup, um, the clothes, just it, the everything until you see like the police cars, like a fucking 2015 SUV and then they pull out a cell phone at the end of the movie, you know, but right. it's like 95% of it is super like 60s, 70s vibes. Yeah. I, um, very, very, very slow movie and it's a horror comedy. Supposedly I didn't get horror or comedy whatsoever. It's more thriller suspense, if anything. Even that, I mean, no, I don't know. It just felt like a, a drama. Yeah. Like, I guess it was the witch aspect. I'm not sure, but for me, I think they did a great job. So I like the story that it told. Ultimately, it was very slow. I agree. But I thought the choice of Elaine, like whoever picked that character did a great job because I thought she nailed the role. I'm just, you know, putting aside the fact that she was very pretty, she just had the, uh, what's that word? The look? The movement, like. The, I, I, the, I don't, I don't know what you're trying to say. She had the. The body language, the, I'm trying to help you out here. She just, she hit the role really well. That, that's a good way to say it. That's all you need to say. That's all, it's all right. Yeah, that was played by Samantha Robinson. Yep. I she, looked her up to see if she was in anything else. Because I would check out more of her movies just based on her, um, you know, role in this film. Yeah, she's in um, several short films. She's in Cam from 2008, uh, 2018, excuse me, which that's a, another horror movie, I believe. And then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood from 2019, that which that was a big movie. That was a big movie. Um, now, I don't know the extent of her role in that, but that's about it other than, you know, a bunch of short films that she was in. So, but she, she is, she is beautiful. And, it, and not only that, she was very confident in, I mean, I don't know how many takes they did to hit some of those scenes, but she's just very confident in the scenes and doesn't struggle at all. Yeah. To present herself or to hit the various movements or just, I don't know. Thought she did a great. She was a very strong character. Yeah. Not physically, just to build around, build a cast around. Right. Um. I wish they would have developed some of the other characters a little bit more. Her ex-husband. You just see the flashbacks, so that's kind of a strange thing where they never really. Yeah, but after seeing. Story. But after seeing the rest of the movie, I do think, and you did say this, but I. I think it is supposed to be implied that she did kind of drug or poison him and kill him. Yep. Essentially, too. Especially because we see him on her shrine of right, right. past lovers. So, I would say I enjoyed the movie. I don't think I'd ever watch it again. I hope you don't watch it again. <laughs> I think it was a good change-up of your typical, like, we could have covered My Bloody Valentine and Valentine, the other movie we're going to talk about. So it, it was nice to see something different. Um, 
I'd give it maybe like a I six. Do, I do appreciate you thinking outside the box with this one and picking something different. As much as I didn't like it, yeah. I, I do give you credit for trying to do something outside of the norm because we do like to try to find those underrated movies and hidden gems. And they're, I mean, they're not all going to be hidden gems. Right. But what I will say is when you posted this in the Facebook group, a lot of people love it. Yeah. A lot. Just because it's not my cup of tea, I don't want to knock the movie. I, I agree. mean, I agree. it's... I don't say it's great. I it's not my cup of tea, but a lot of people liked this movie. It yep. received a lot of positive feedback, which I was shocked. I mean, I shouldn't be shocked because I I was shocked more so that people actually knew what it was. Was yeah. But I'd say like six, six and a half for me. Yeah. It I'd, was it was enjoyable. I wouldn't go back to it again. But I'm also not going to give it a negative um, review just based on the fact that I thought it was slow or I wasn't as into yeah. it because I thought they did do a great job of... You did, like, the sexual aspect, so that counts for something. There you go. I mean, that was one thing. But they did a great job of developing a storyline and, yeah. you know, making it make sense throughout. Yeah. There were just... There were a little bit of goofy moments. And, but, hey, it happens. It's fine. What did you say that... What type of substance should you be on when you watch this? Did you say marijuana? I think I said acid. Oh, acid. Okay. <laughs> I don't mushrooms. know why I thought you said marijuana. No, I think I said mushrooms. Okay. Yeah. So just recommendation, Um, you know, for, just for legal purposes, we're not actually telling you to do mushrooms or acid, but if you want, we didn't tell you to do it, but you know. Yeah, I mean, just had fear and loathing in Las Vegas vibes too. So I give it a four out of 10. So... Not my cup of tea, but that brings us to Valentine, which is a rated R movie from 2001. This is a horror mystery with a one hour and 36 minute runtime. So the budget was 29 million. What do you think it brought in at the box office? So I'm going to guess that it didn't do all that well because I had never heard of this movie until a couple of years ago when you told me. So I'm going to say like 45 million. 36.7 million, which are actually not that far off. So, I mean, that's a good guess considering some of the guesses, you yeah, know? for sure. Spoiler alert for next week's episode, Jeremy comes closer than he's ever, ever been with a box office guess in next week's episode. We did, we recorded some things out of order because we have a special guest next week. So, we already recorded it and Jeremy comes wickedly close. I don't remember how far off, but it, it was pretty fucking close. But I think it was the second guess. No, I, we can't, we can't say which one. There's multiple guesses, yeah. but I actually truly don't remember which guess it was, but this has a 4.9 out of 10 on IMDb and an 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. That is very unfair. Yeah, so this movie the you only know, thing I can think of is that maybe they just called this a, a direct ripoff of Scream. That's the only thing I can think of to give it such a poor rating. Uh, potentially. Now, I'm going to, for the most part, talk about this movie to you. Uh, Jeremy is obviously welcome to jump in when he wants to. But I cannot stress enough like how much this movie means to me. And I... 
and I think Jeremy would kind of say, not say the same thing about him, but like when I recommended it to him, like, I think that was almost two years ago at this point. Yeah, it had to be. Yeah, yeah. So when I first introduced this movie to him, I was like, oh my God, we have to watch this. We have to watch this. We have to watch this. We actually watched this with Mike, Mike and yes. your mom. That's why I'm saying it was like definitely two years ago. Yeah. So I saw this movie. I have very, very, very extremely strong nostalgic attachments to this movie and maybe that's why I like it so much and I I'm pretty sure I already said this on the podcast once before about this movie but this was my like Friday night blockbuster movie where like you'd get you'd go pick out a new release and then you'd always get like a same movie that you've already seen and but this was my go-to I nearly every single week I would rent this fucking movie if not like every other week you know but I've watched this movie countless times I'm just obsessed with it and so I'm just very like sentimentally and nostalgically attached to this movie so when I over glorify it and you watch it and you're like oh my god this does deserve an 11% just take take my <laughs> interpretation of it with a grain of salt because personally this is the first horror movie that I ever remember watching I'm not saying it is the very first one I've ever watched. This is just the first one that I remember and the one that stands out to me is like that. Yes. So you get the point. Well, it's funny because just a few minutes ago I said, you know, I had never even heard of this movie right. until you said something because I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I'm <laughs> saying we have to watch Valentine. I'm like, you mean my bloody Valentine? No, Valentine. Yeah. But I'm glad you did. It was a good movie. And so I'm, I'm really glad Jeremy picked it for the Valentine's Day episode. But it's one of those, if you love Scream is a good example. Even like, I know what you did last summer. I, I think you get a lot of those 90s vibes. And late it, it late is, 90s, early I 2000s. I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, it's coming fresh off the 90s with being 2001. So it is, and that's, that's, a, a, that's a vibe, that's an era, mm -hmm. you know? So, and that is, that's my time. Like, I love, you know, late, late 90s, early 2000s, even 2010s. Which is um, why I'm so surprised you're not a big fan of the craft, because <laughs> those movies have those groups where they focus around the group. Yeah. And the craft is like that. Yeah. But anyway, the I don't want to change the subject. No, no, no. Sorry. The craft wasn't awful. I just, it was like, yeah, I don't know. You're just, yeah. Yeah. Whereas I would. Of course I'm not going to, like, you don't love every you 80s like, movie. Like everything. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I, I just, I feel like that's very similar to that scream. I know what you did last yeah, summer. Oh, no, Valentine absolutely. vibe. Yeah, it it's, is. I'm surprised you're not as into it as, yeah. you know, some of these other ones. But anyway, go ahead. Okay. Valentine. So I'm going to kind of start off with the cast a little bit because the cast is very, very strong in my opinion, at least. So we have Denise Richards as Paige Prescott. And smoke show. <laughs> I don't know if the microphone picked that up, but Jeremy said smoke show. So he kind of whispered it, so I don't know if I was supposed to say that, but I did. Uh, David Boreanaz as Adam Carr, and he was in Buffy and I believe the Angel spinoff because he played Angel. And then Marley Shelton as Kate Davies, and y'all know Marley, Marley Shelton from the Scream franchise as Officer Judy Hicks. Or Planet Terror. Or Planet Terror, or whatever that Lifeguard movie is that she was in. <laughs> it's the Sandlot. Oh, the Sandlot. No, I meant she's the Lifeguard. <laughs> you know what I fucking meant, that was, Jeremy. Sorry, that was funny. <laughs> you know what the I meant. Movie. She was in Baywatch? No. 
though, not that one. She was in the sandlot. The sandlot? For about two minutes. Oh, that's it? Yeah. Oh, it wasn't she like Pepper Puffercorn or something? Yeah. What is her name? Yeah, it's something like that. Oh, okay. Wendy Peppercorn oh, or that something? Listen, Pep, but, people are going to fucking roast me Pepper Puffercorn or long, whatever. Long story short. I don't short, fucking know. The, the you can tell pretend, I never saw the Sandlot. The kid pretends to drown so that she has to give him mouth to mouth. That's his way of kissing oh. her. But that was her, like, five minutes in that movie. That oh, was okay. So, yeah. uh, Jessica Capshaw as Dorothy Wheeler, and she is from Grey's Anatomy, which, I mean... Some of these people might not be big to other people, but, like, she's a huge character in Grey's Anatomy. Katherine Heigl as Shelley Fisher, also from Grey's Anatomy. That is a long-running show. If, I, if nothing else, people should have at least heard of Grey's Anatomy. Oh, I mean, they've fucking heard of Grey's Anatomy, but I'm just saying they probably no, don't watch it. But, well, yeah, but um, still recognizable. Yeah. Uh, Jessica Caulfield as Lily Voigt, and she was in Legally Blonde. So even though they're not all, like, horror people, they are, you know, pretty big names. So it is, it opens up with scenes going through a 1988 yearbook with a bunch of, like, things written in red Sharpie. Um, some of them, like, have hearts around them or some of them have, like, X's or flames. Um, and there's some nasty things written in, I think I said red Sharpie. And then we see a nerdy kid, small, scrawny, nerdy kid with glasses at a school dance. And he's asking a bunch of different girls to dance. And they all say no, except for um, Dorothy. She doesn't, well, she doesn't agree to dance. Well, no, I'm getting there, Jeremy. But so he asks, you know, Paige, hey, Paige, do you want to dance? And she says, I'd rather be boiled alive. He asks Lily, now I don't know if this is in the exact order, so, but um, he asks Lily, do you want to dance? And she goes, ew. And then he asks Shelly, do you want to dance? And she says, in your dreams, loser. And then he asks Kate, who Kate says, uh, oh, maybe later, Jeremy. But oh, by the way, this nerdy kid's name is Jeremy, yeah. which I think is funny. It's it's not Jeremy Dugans. It's uh Jeremy Melton is his name, but I still think it's funny that the nerdy kid is Jeremy. Yeah, so, I'll play a nerdy kid if it's going to net me millions of dollars. I don't know if the, it netted the child millions of dollars, but <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Um, so, and then, so he asks Dorothy, and they don't, we don't see them dancing, but they are caught making out under the bleachers. And Dorothy claims that he attacked her. And also, I think it's important to note that Dorothy is a little bit of a bigger kid. It reminded me of me when I was in, like, elementary school. I was always a bigger kid. I mean, still a bigger kid, but, you know, a <laughs> bigger adult. Um, but, yeah, so Dorothy claims that he attacked her and, like, forced himself on her. And then the nerdy kid Jeremy gets beat up, and we see a bunch of onlookers form a crowd, as you do when there's a fight. And then one of them is wearing a Cupid's mask. And so, like I said in the beginning, our girls, we have Shelly. And I'm just kind of, I'm just putting this out here because it gets a little bit confusing. So this is just a list. Shelly went on a date with Jason Marquette. Kate is dating Adam. Dorothy is dating Campbell. And Lily is dating Max. 
Paige, Paige ain't doing nothing with her life right now. So just so they all kind of have boyfriends or are actively dating. And then we jump to 13 years later, Shelly is on a date, things don't go well, the guy is a total creep. Uh, this is Jason Marquette, as I mentioned before, and he talks in the third person. It's yeah. so weird. Yeah. Um, he's a total douchebag. Yeah, he, he's, a, he's a creep, but Shelly is in medical school. I love, sorry, real quick. She's eating, and she actually carves into her plate, like, God, please help me, or something like that, in her mashed potato sauce. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> in her mashed potato sauce? Whatever you mean was. gravy? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what she was eating. She was eating something. I can't wait to make mashed potatoes for Jeremy and ask him, hey, do you want some mashed potato sauce? Perfect. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, uh... Shelly's in med school and we see her in the morgue and she's practicing for like a surgery or like a like an exam type thing but she has a cadaver and she's about to operate on him and the cadaver she's working on is more charming than the guy she was just on a date with honestly his name is Chad <laughs> and she's alone and she hears a noise Obviously, she goes to investigate it. Duh. It's a horror movie. And there's a little jump scare, but it's just another student. And then she finds an envelope. Kind of, what was it? Her locker? Yeah. It looked like, like a locker or something. Uh, with a card that says, The journey of love is an arduous trek. My love grows for you as you bleed from the neck. With, um, like, a slide out. It's one of those, like, 3D cards that kind of, like, slot. Like, you can move. And the slot, when you pull it, a knife like pops up and the blood drips from the neck in the card like it's really cool i i'd like if i got um, a valentine's day card like that but i i'd want the valentine's day card to be from jeremy not some unknown person uh if it was from an unknown person i might be scared but that's besides the point so she just goes back into the morgue and she's getting ready to cut into the cadaver again and then of course it, it fucking breathes why wouldn't it um, so she like fucking jumps back like and she knocks back into the freezer where the cadaver Chad falls out. And then the next thing you know, the person from the table is gone and she's kind of locked in this room now. And then as she's like looking for a way out, another door like then opens up again. Like so she has a way out now. And a chase scene ensues. They're all just running around. And we see the Cupid mask killer again, at, like we saw in the beginning of the movie. And Shelly ends up hiding in a body bag, but the killer checks each bag with his knife. And then when he finds the bag Shelly is in, he slits her throat, just like the card. And then the killer gets a bloody nose. He gets a bloody nose after each kill. I don't remember if I put that in my notes, but bloody nose after each kill very important so kate then goes to a speed dating event that her friend paige tried to set her up on because paige does not like kate's boyfriend but we see i think it's an event for paige herself as well she's just not willing to admit it that's so funny you said that the very next line is Paige swiped in and tried to intercept the only good candidate because right. we see these all these guys going through and like they're next 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 and they're all like 
weird dorks, creepy, whatever. Like, and then there's this one really good, like, candidate, and Paige is like, oh, hi, I'm Paige, by the way. Like, and fucking, like, tries to swipe this one good guy on the freaking dating. Brian. Maybe. I don't remember. I didn't write that down, but good for you for remembering. And then now we're at Shelly's funeral. And the friend group is informed that the guy Shelly went on a date with in the beginning, Jason Marquette, is missing. And then we see Dorothy at her house and she gets a card that says roses are red. There's a speed trap ahead. Get on those brakes, Jeremy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speed trap ahead. I don't know. It looks like he's facing us. I don't know what the speed limit is. It's probably 65. Okay. I'm not editing that out to be completely honest. Cause I did say we're live on the road. So, and it's literally like 12 hours before the episode has to get published. So you get what you get. Anyways. So Dorothy's at home and she gets a card that says roses are red, violets are blue, they'll need dental records to identify you. I am fucking loving all these creepy ass rhymes. That's why I wrote them down to read to you guys because they're so fucking cool. Yeah, okay. Jeremy's not going to get pulled over because the speed limit is 65. Okay. And then we meet a guy named Campbell who I already said is Dorothy's boyfriend because I kind of just gave you that list up in the beginning because it was confusing. And then he kind of low-key asks Dorothy to stay with her because he got kicked out of his other place, blah, blah, blah. She makes up a guest room and she lives with her dad and her stepmom in a large mansion. And Jeremy, I think you thought it was kind of funny when she talked to her stepmom, like, because the stepmom was like practically her age. Um, I didn't write down exactly what was said, but there was a funny exchange between her and her stepmom. So, and then we see, it kind of flashes back and forth between all the different girls. And you're not even sure who the main character is, because they're all kind of, at this moment, like, sharing equal spotlight. So, we see Kate is showering, and she hears a noise from the other room. And so, obviously, she goes out to investigate it. But she goes out in a towel with wet hair. And... She literally goes out into the hall from her apartment. Like, she lives in an apartment building, and she's now in the hall. And we see her, she has an interaction with her creepy-ass neighbor. And he's like, want to go on a date, Kate? You could be my mate, Kate. You look great, Kate. And then she literally just says, you're scary, Gary. And I thought it was so funny. The fucking rhymes in this movie. I'm a, I love it. Um, and then we see the girl lily she gets a card it definitely was not fate for kate to marry gary (laughs) um we see lily getting a card with a box of chocolates and it says you are what you eat there was actually more to the card but i didn't want to drive jeremy nuts because i couldn't freaking turn on subtitles man um so there was more to the card, but I got you are what you eat pretty much. And then they bite into the chocolates and the chocolates have maggots in them. And at this point, I almost actually vomited because it's fucking gross. Ugh, disgusting. I would die. No, thank you. My favorite part of this scene 
is after they get past the whole maggots covered in chocolate thing, she is just drinking orange juice directly from the bottle. Orange juice and chocolate do not mix together. Yeah, I, I mean, I understand where you're coming from, but I think, like, I, if I just ate maggots, I'd be, like, trying to drink anything to get that out of my mouth. I get that. It's just weird. Yeah. So all of these cards are signed by J.M. Jason Marquez. I was just going to say, yeah, kind of the detective is thinking um, Jason Marquette, who was the guy that Shelly went on a date with in the beginning that is now missing. Real quick. The detective sucked. Hated his character. Yeah. Hated everything about his character. I don't think he was good. Not great. We don't really get a lot of... For that role. Yeah. I mean, he's not like a big star in the movie or anything, but, but I just, I didn't like him at all. Sorry, no disrespect to the actor. I just didn't feel like he made a convincing detective by any stretch of the imagination. Right. So the girls now attend Max's art show, and obviously, you know, Max is Lily's boyfriend. So they're all going to this art show, and Lily ends up getting lost in this maze which this maze is super freaking weird and it's just got a bunch of like different lips and eyes and weird music and uh, it's really weird. So she gets lost in this maze and the Cupid killer appears shooting her with arrows several times and then she falls multiple stories into a dumpster. Ew. (laughs) Uh, So they, the girls don't notice that Lily is missing because she was supposed to be leaving on a business trip the very next morning. And the girls are all like together now and they're all together with the exception of Lily and Shelly who died. Shelly died and they buried, but Lily, they think it's on a business trip and they're all talking. They're like, who do you think it could be? Blah, blah, blah. Like, and then they kind of come up with like, Oh my God, is it, is it that Jeremy Melton kid from elementary school? So they tell the detective And then Dorothy admits to the other girls that Jeremy never actually attacked her. She just said that to kind of protect her own reputation. But we also find out that Jeremy got sent to um, reform school for that. Right? Is that what it was? Reform school? Or what was it called? I think it was reform school, a mental institution they said at one point. Um, So she, Dorothy kind of fucked up his life for no reason. And then the detective is going through all of the girls' boyfriends to see how long they've known them to see if anyone, like, any of the boys have the possibility to be Jeremy Melton. They're like, you know, they could have gotten reconstructive surgery and you haven't seen him in 13 years and he could look like anything now, blah, blah, blah. So in the meantime, we see creepy neighbor, scary Gary, broke into Kate's apartment and he's trying on her panties, which is strange. Um, And the killer we see come in and whacked him with a hot iron. That was so random that he killed him. Yeah. So Dorothy is planning a Valentine's Day party in her daddy's large mansion. And... Adam gives her a cherub necklace, like our Cupid necklace, whatever you want to call it, um, which is just really weird because we like they don't know that it's a Cupid mask killer yet, right? Probably not, because like if they know, they'd be dead. Well, like, didn't 
when she was having that whole scary Gary, Kate is great, whatever conversation, there was a Cupid mask in the elevator that kept... Well, Kate found that, so I don't know if she shared that with the other girls at this point. Oh, okay. Yeah. But maybe. Maybe they know. Maybe they don't. There's a speed trap so, ahead. Holy cops, man. Past six the other day when we came up. Yeah. Crazy. Anyways, boyfriend gives her a cherub necklace, which we, as especially as the viewers, is like super strange and suspicious. But Campbell gets murdered in the basement, unbeknownst to Dorothy. Wait. Hang on. Yeah. Adam. Hang on. Who is Adam dating? Campbell is dating no. Dorothy. Adam is dating Kate. Oh, okay. So, no. Adam is dating Kate. So, Kate got the cherub necklace and Kate saw the Cupid mask. Okay, so now it's making sense. Okay. See, that's why I put the list in the beginning because it gets confusing with all the guys and girls and whatever. No, I'm pretty sure Dorothy got the, the necklace. Because then Campbell's whatever person that he's trying to sell her shit sees it and he's like, that's my necklace. And Dorothy's wearing it. But why did I say... Why did I say Adam gives her a cherub necklace? Did I maybe just say Cat meant to say Campbell gives her a cherub necklace? I think you did. Okay, well maybe Campbell gave her a cherub necklace. We don't know. Um... Watch it for yourself and find out and let me know. Um, <laughs> so anyways, Dorothy's boyfriend Campbell gets murdered in the basement, unbeknownst to Dorothy. And she's upset because he's late. And well, We also see just before that, he's trying to steal her money. Or he's trying to get a wire transfer from somewhere. We don't know where, but I'm assuming he's trying to steal Dorothy's money and she doesn't know it. Maybe. Um... They're just now realizing that Lily never showed up to her business trip. So I think some, but Max is the one who tells them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, but that's what I'm saying. Like they're just now, like they still, they have no idea she's been dead for like a week at this point, or however long yeah, it's been. It's like a couple days, but yeah. Well, a week is a couple days, pretty much. Whatever you get the idea. So then we see. I think this is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. We see Paige getting attacked by the killer. Uh, she gets trapped in the hot tub, essentially being boiled alive. And the killer gets a drill. Uh, he's drilling holes like into the hot tub, trying to, and she's trying to like swim around and avoid this long drill. And he eventually gets a drill into her shoulder. And then you see like the blood going into the water and it's super cool. And then he opens up the lid on the hot tub and throws the drill into the hot tub, essentially electrocuting her. Uh, Dorothy and Kate are downstairs at this party still, arguing about who the killer is. Dorothy accuses Adam of being the killer, and Dorothy also accuses Kate of being jealous and thinking of her still as that fat friend, when Dorothy in present day is now, you know, she's still pretty and lost weight and... They're all a very pretty group of friends, but it's just a little cat fight back and forth type thing. Other people that died that I didn't talk about because I felt like it wasn't super important to the plot of the movie. Um, the maid, Campbell's ex-girlfriend, Ruthie, and the detective. 
we see the detective's head in the koi pond because one of them is trying to call um, I, Kate is trying to call the detective and we hear the cop ringing the cop's phone ringing outside which leads us to the koi pond and we see the detective's head that is the only part in the movie that I felt like it looked notably terrible yeah. that fake head was awful it didn't look real at all um, but Kate she runs back inside screaming for Dorothy and Kate is convinced Adam is Jeremy and you know so Adam is there at the party and he asks her to dance but she, like she agrees and she's like dancing with him for a little bit and then she kind of like knees him in the balls and runs to find Dorothy and she comes across Paige and Ruthie's body while trying to escape Adam and Adam is professing his love and following her creepily and it's just this big kind of chase scene again and Kate ends up finding a gun but ultimately ends up dropping it and tumbling down the stairs with the masked killer who the masked killer then gets up and is shot down by Adam. Adam unmasks the killer revealing Dorothy and then Kate is apologizing profusely like oh my god I'm so sorry I thought it was you I'm so so sorry I you know I can't how could Dorothy do this blah 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 uh they're waiting for the cops to come when Adam Adam and Kate are like cuddling she has her head on his chest and you know he's saying you know I, I have I love you I have always loved you and Kate closes her eyes, and then we see Adam's nose start to bleed. So, insinuating he is Jeremy Melton, essentially framed Dorothy to get revenge. And, uh, yeah. And then he's going to get the girl on time. E exactly. So, there's a fun fact. We are recording this episode on Super Bowl Sunday, and when you guys, most of you are probably going to be listening to this on the Monday after Super Bowl Sunday. As of 2001, I, now I don't know, and I can only imagine things got more expensive as time has gone on, but at the time, this was the cheapest film ever made to have a Super Bowl commercial. Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. I don't remember being in the commercials personally i don't either i mean i was like super young at the time but not, i mean not super young but i i don't remember it i got that from imdb is it false i don't know but i'm just you know giving you fun facts maybe they're fun because they're false who knows i don't know not me um for me personally this movie is a 10 out of 10 which I know I am almost confident Jeremy will not rate it that high and I won't be upset because I know probably like three of those points come from nostalgia uh, and like just my attachment to this movie. And I feel like everyone has those movies where like it's going to be a 10 out of 10 to them, but other people are more realistic about it. So realist, I give it a 10 out of 10. I won't waver on that. I have not seen a, I have not seen a single person dislike this movie um, from the people that like I personally know that have seen it. I feel like 
like this one became more How, of a cult following type movie. Pro probably. But what realistically, I don't think it deserves an 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think that is very harsh. Yeah, I think that's unfair. But Jeremy, what is your rating or thoughts on the movie? Solid 8 out of 10. 8 I, out of 10? It definitely reminded, like I said, it... Definitely heavy Scream vibes, for sure. I was going to say, Scream ripoff is the only possible thing I can think of that would give it such a bad rating. Yeah. It might have been so soon that people, oh my god, the twist on the killer, this is Scream all over. Because, yeah, even the beginning, like the dance scene reminds me of a stab movie in a sense. Where yeah. you've got that opening scene and then you flash away to the here and now. You've got the whole group. I don't know. It, I didn't mind it, personally. It's the only thing I can think of, because otherwise, it told a pretty good story. It wasn't too long. You know, you had a pretty good cast. I, I didn't feel like anybody was really out of place, with exception to I didn't love the detective. It doesn't mean he was, like, the worst character ever in a movie. I just didn't think he was all that great. But, I mean, overall, yeah, solid 8 out of 10. It, it was good movie we've watched it twice now it holds up to this day to me i think it's still a good movie okay we are back we had a little bit of technical difficulties of course <laughs> so we uh, got too chatty and our time limit exceeded so jeremy just got done saying he rated it an eight out of a ten and he feels like it holds up i think i already said 10 out of 10 i explained why blah 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 so the only thing you missed is that we wish you a very, very happy Valentine's Day. And we spoke about, um, well, I, <laughs> I jumped in and said. Oh, yeah. Jeremy had a huge rant, but we'll skip, live, give him a minute. If you haven't seen My Bloody Valentine. Oh, yeah. I did say I would suggest checking that out. It's a lot of people consider it a really good movie. It wasn't necessarily one of my favorites, but the only reason we didn't cover it is because it's so known and everybody has heard of that one. We wanted to try and at least find something a little bit different and unique to get out there for you guys. Yeah. So also be sure to join us next week when we rank and kind of talk about the Hatchet franchise. We'll be doing Hatchet 1, 2, 3 and Victor Crowley. I know it seems um, shorter than most of the other franchises that we have done in the past, but the episode is not short by any means. I don't know the total length of it, but it's going to be a great episode. We had so much fun with our guest, and I think it's really good. We do have another ranking set for March, but I did not pick a guest for that yet because I don't know if I'm fully committed to finishing the franchise, so I don't want to sign somebody up for that we both still have to finish movies from that franchise yeah so i once i finish the movies then i'll see if someone wants to do it but in the meantime i don't know if i'm committed or not so we'll see what happens with that right. but yeah next week's episode is going to be great jeremy has a super exciting show coming up he is going to mad monster in north carolina i am super excited for him i'm sad that i can't go he is meeting a ton of great people, and he does have a little bit of a rant slash disclaimer that got cut off. Um, I thought he was about to propose or something because he, Jesus. Jeremy's just fucking rolling. He's like, bitch, no, you're crazy. And, uh, I'm just fucking with you. But he uh, took me by surprise the first time because I said, Jeremy, is there anything you want to add? And he's like, yeah, you actually don't know I'm going to do this. But And then he went on a big rant, um, which is fine. And he's like, well, you can cut it if you want. And I said, no. 
This is his podcast too, so he can say whatever he wants to say. So I'm going to give Jeremy the floor for a little bit to talk about Mad Monster. So obviously, if you haven't heard by now, you're living under a rock, but Kevin Spacey was announced to be at Mad Monster. And there are a lot of allegations and negative perceptions of Kevin Spacey and people have the right to feel that way about him. I'm not going to try and sway anybody's opinion. But what I will say is, you know, nothing has been proven in court of law. And I'm not out to say that people are lying. There's a lot of, you know, various allegations and it's a shame. With that said, what I see on the screen and what people do in their personal lives, I separate the two. And I am going to meet the on-screen presence of Kevin Spacey. That excites me a lot. It's something that, you know, if the allegations against him are true, I don't condone that in any way, shape, or form. I don't agree with that in any way, shape, or form. I don't support that in any way, shape, or form. With that said, what people do in their personal lives, it's different. And without any evidence that suggests he's actually done this, I just, I don't want to say I take it with a grain of salt because this is obviously a little bit bigger than that. But, you know, I try not to get myself involved in those matters because they don't pertain to me directly. Um, If true, absolutely awful, not good, you know, and I wouldn't want to be a part of that in any way, shape or form. But I am super excited to meet Kevin Spacey, the on-screen talent. So I just want to let you know that, you know, how you feel is absolutely 100% your opinion. That's your entitled to that. I just, I guess, ask that you please don't take away my excitement from meeting him. Don't judge me based on what supposedly has happened. If it comes out that it's true, then yeah, he's a monster. But until then, I just, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity for me. I'm literally, what is it, like a nine hour trip to go down there? Almost probably 10 or 11 after he gasped the bathroom breaks. Yeah, I mean, I'm, this, this is a big opportunity, I feel. And I feel like it might be a once in a lifetime opportunity. So I'm, you know, gonna make that trip. I'm gonna make it happen. I'm gonna meet Kevin Spacey and then you know, continue to go on and whatever. So just kind of wanted to put a little disclaimer out there that, you know, if you see me excited, it doesn't mean that I'm saying that I, you know, agree with anything that supposedly happened, but nothing is factual right now at this point. And until then, I'm going to, you know, continue to collect signatures and meet people that have always fascinated me on the big screen. Yes, so I hope you have a very safe trip, and I'm going to miss you when you're gone. Um, Thankfully, you were supposed to go, and I'm sure our listeners remember, you were supposed to go to uh, North Carolina for something totally unrelated for two weeks at the beginning of the month, and you never ended up going, so I was like panicking what to do for episodes, but it worked out now that we already have next week's episode pre-recorded. That was planned weeks ago like before jeremy even knew he was going to north carolina for this convention so my because my schedule is already done for like march and half of april like it's i planned so far in advance 
So it just happened to work out that he Jeremy is not going to miss any episodes this time around. So, and for those who aren't traveling anywhere and staying local, please go support the New Jersey Horror Sideshow Market. It's only $10 admission. Support Ryan's show. Puts together a really good show, and they got a great lineup. They do. They have um, Frankie G from Saw 2. He played Xavier in Saw 2. Like, personally, in my top three of worst Saw villains ever. Like, Jeremy and I were talking the other day. I hate his character, but that, to me, like, makes me want to meet him because it made me feel something. Right. Like... He wasn't just a random character in a sequel. He actually left an effect on you. Yeah. Because he was such an arrogant asshole. Absolutely. And... Um, Eddie Deason's gonna be there. The um, guy from My Bloody Valentine, Richard John Walters, he yep. was the uh, remake, yep. My Bloody Valentine, which is... I, I do prefer the remake to the original. I'm not sure if I said that or not. I think that was in the, the cutoff version that we did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's also the NEPA Comic-Con, which this is the first time it's happening... It's in Dixon City, Pennsylvania, which is five minutes from my house. Uh, they only have three guests announced. It's Tony Moran, Nancy Ann Ritter, and um, Michelle Santiago from Terrifier 2. So, very. I think it's, with all due respect, I don't think it's going to be great because it's the first time it's ever happening. So, I'm going to go check it out and see what's up. See if there's potential there. See what's going on. Um maybe take a couple shots to do with Tony. We'll see. And going back to the horror sideshow market, Eddie Deason was in Critters 2. So that's a franchise I'd love to rank at some point with Kristen. I'd see her eyes rolling in the back of her head as I even suggested it. Scott, this one's for you, buddy. <laughs> but um, anyway. I don't even know if he likes Critters, but... Anyway, check those out. Anyone that's interested in ranking Critters with Jeremy and Jeremy alone? Let me let, know. Let me, let me know. Because those are great movies. <laughs> So, please, if you guys enjoy listening to us, just take a minute to make sure you follow us or subscribe. It really does help us. Give us a five-star rating or review. If you have a friend that you think would enjoy the podcast, whether they like horror movies or just want to hear me and Jeremy arguing all the time, it's the Valentine's Day episode, so we couldn't really argue too, too much. But, you know, normally I give him so much shit, so please you know, pass the word along. Be, don't be afraid to share our episodes. Come join us on Facebook at the HorrorCon Lounge. Follow us on Instagram, which is also at HorrorCon Lounge. I have been doing a really good job at updating the letterbox, actually. Oh, good. Which, but now I am kind of using the letterbox for my own like personal thing, um, just because it's been too hard to average out like mine and Jeremy's ranking, like keeping track of mine and Jeremy's rankings and then averaging them out. And then right. like, so it's more like my personal rankings. And I do also have other movies that I watch in there, which are very few and far between because um, I don't watch a lot of movies. And even when I have to watch movies for the podcast, it's like pulling teeth. So most of the other non-horror movies on there are going to be uh, new releases that we see in theaters. Speaking of new releases in theaters, this is fitting for the Valentine's episode, so I'll fit it in here. Kristen and I will be seeing Lisa Frankenstein. I've heard a lot of good things about it. In fact, I saw somebody gave it a 10 out of 10 the other day on Facebook. We should... I think we were talking about bringing your niece to that I was going to say, we should maybe try to do tomorrow. We'll talk We'll talk about it off-air. Yeah. But, okay. I'm trying to freaking think. So, yeah. Also, buy our merch linktree.com slash horrorconlounge. It has links to everything, Facebook, Instagram, our 
merch shop, which we have t-shirts, sweatshirts, mugs, phone cases, tank tops, baby clothes, like baby onesies, lots of things. Yeah. If you want hats, reach out to Kristen directly. Hats were only pre-order. I did say that before. Um, so I'm going to wait a little bit and see. I, I need enough interest. I need at least five or more to make it worth the order. I know Brett wants one, so I'd get one for him. Yeah, so... But anyway, that's just... Right. Um, but yeah, like I said, we hope you have a happy, happy Valentine's Day coming up. We hope you... Let us know what you guys think about both of these movies, because we really like to hear from you guys. There's, we always mention the same people that always talk to us, and it's not because we're playing favorites, but those are just the listeners that always message us and let us know and give us feedback on our episodes. So if you are a silent listener and we don't ever mention your name on the podcast, we still very much appreciate you listening, but don't yeah. be afraid to reach out to us. Well, I had mentioned, I don't know if this part got, it got cut off, I think. Okay. So I know Noah had reached out to me about... Well, I feel like we mentioned Noah a lot, you movies. know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he reached out about the movies we were watching ahead of time so that he could watch it with us. And there's actually been several other people that have reached out. So we definitely get the impression that you like us letting you know ahead of time what we're going to review so and that you can two, watch along with us. We're two months into the new year and I we've been doing good on the episodes. And normally, like, I switch the schedule around and we'll record an episode one week and then I won't post it for, like, three months. But we're two months in and I've been holding strong. So well, we've been doing good. And we've got a good little... We've got shows coming up now. So you'll yes. start seeing us out and about. But we also... That means that we can try and find some unique movies of people that are going to be at shows. Yep. To review on the podcast. So, you know, we'll definitely give you a heads up. You know how I used to do the spotlight posts in the lounge. And maybe I should do those again now with everything getting closer. Yeah. Um, but we're always trying to find some of those oddball, really good movies. Sometimes we don't know. Um, there's a few that I didn't know ahead of time, so we watch those. Sometimes Kristen loves them. Sometimes she hates them. You know, this example, or this episode was a good example. Love Witch. I don't know that either one of us were blown away by it, but I don't think it was the worst hidden gem movie we've ever found either. Right. So, hey, it was something different. We tried it out. Yeah. So we will see you next week for the Hatchet franchise. And thank you guys always for your support. And we very much appreciate you. Bye. Bye.